This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Thank you guys for checking us out. We're sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to MoBetterSoul.com. Enter code NEGRO to save 10% on your next order. We have some really, really, really fly um, new Sade joints in there. So please support. We also have some Sade uh, limited edition posters. We're only doing 25 and we sold a few of them so far. They're going to be signed by me and the homie Dre who did the illustrations. If y'all have listened to the the Loney's Drunk podcast that is Dre who did the drawings on that and um you know we're back look because in the times of Rona you know uh we're trying to be really really cautious about how we're doing these interviews and I haven't done a phone interview in a while so I hope I get the audio sounding okay if it doesn't y'all blame it on me I have a very very special guest in the building Mr. Darian McLeod how you doing brother I'm good bro yeah, good. not in the building, but I'm yeah. Good. I'm well, you're in, in some building. building, exactly. I'm in some building somewhere. <laughs> exactly. All right, now we're we're in Columbia, South Carolina, for the people that are listening to the pod outside of Columbia, South Carolina. But um, you know, it's one of those things where if you're involved in the art scene and if you're a black person in the art scene, we tend to to meet each other, be around each other, and want to support each other, right? So tell us right. a little bit more about um, the things that you've been doing in the community as an artist. Um, you mean, like, recently? I mean, well, the, you know, I've been in this game for a minute, so. <laughs> like, Would we start with the poor black child line? Or, yeah. You know? yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess um, my official training is as a visual artist, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I make my living as a theater professional. I have a company, the Nia Company, Nia Theater Company. That's our formal name. We're affectionately known as Nia Company. I've, um, I'm a storyteller. I have a large part of my practice is with schools and, and children, but also a large part of my practice is with people who work with children and um, adults. I like to use storytelling to entertain and also to try and promote communication and uh, healing. I know it might sound corny, but healing. Um, uh, but all the arts for me are storytelling, whether Absolutely. it's visual, whether it's music, whether it's performing, acting and directing is what I, I prominently do. I do mostly now. I do a lot of acting, a lot of directing. Like I said, got my own company. We tend to tell stories that other people won't tell. We're... Um, a company that's um, populated by a bunch of human souls, but we speak with a black voice. Absolutely. Um, have you found it challenging? Like, what I, I wouldn't say, have you found it challenging? But I would say, being creative during times of Rona. Like, I remember early on, you know, I I, I don't think we realize how long it'll last. So when it first happened. Um, at first I was like, you know what, this is an opportunity. If you want to write the great American novel, if you want to lose 30 pounds, it's the time to do it. And then I eventually hit this emotional wall where I, yeah. I came to the conclusion where I'm like, this isn't a vacation, <laughs> right? This is something yeah. where the, yeah. the world is going through this global trauma. 
So yeah. as a creative, um, has that affected you at all by not being able to go and be around people? And, you know, because theater is basically that intimate relationship of being. It's all about people. the human connection. Yeah. It's all, I mean, that that's what all the arts are, but theater especially. You know, the immediacy of your audience. You know, you say something and they react. You can feel them react. You know, I like to say, a lot of different actors say it different ways, but I like to say we become one organism. Mm-hmm. When I breathe out, they breathe in. When I breathe in, they breathe out. You know, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you know, to your point, initially, like I, I made this YouTube channel, the Magic Purple Circle mm-hmm. It's for families where um, families can go and sing songs and we read books together and we tell stories together. And yeah, I, I jumped in that gung ho. I made a YouTube channel. I was crafting things I thought would help people um, be at home with the kids because I saw, you know, all my friends and all these people say, man, locked up with this kid all day like what am i gonna do this kid is driving me fucking bananas you know so um yeah i did that and i was um working on the um right in the left lane show and i had all these satellite projects that was going on but you're right um i had this burst of of energy Mm -hmm. you know all of a sudden i had one thing i had time I could actually get a full night's sleep. I could wake up in the morning and do this project for three hours and do this project for four hours and work late into the night in this project. But you're right. Just I I miss people. Yeah. I love y'all, man. I, I feel that I, at this moment, am, am wrestling, trying to get over that emotional wall. Yeah. I think, you know? the, I think the biggest thing, too, is like, um, you know, as a, you know, being an artist here in Columbia, we, 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 I know you can um, agree with this, that we do a lot of things, right? It's not like, oh, I just do this one medium, you know, because outside of me being a writer or hip-hop artist, I DJ. And a lot of times I feel like in a city like this, it's sometimes artists themselves don't feel as appreciated um, as we feel like we should with the institutions around here. And one of the things I thought was really, really interesting, speaking from a DJ's perspective, is that you you see how artists were appreciated during covid when D Nice did the club quarantine for the first time, right, and, right, and there was this this community that came together where everybody's stuck in their homes, and all of a sudden you see a few hundred thousand people just kind of having some type of normalcy, even if they're in their homes, but listening to music collectively together, right. And I thought right. that was an amazing moment because I, I I think that you know when this is over, I hope that it will linger where there's a better appreciation for the arts and for artists, right? Where it's like, hey, man, you know, I think sometimes we have to train people to support artists because a lot of times people might think, oh, I just showed up, that support. Or, you know, right. or or like, you know, the places like Wild Wings where bands basically play for free for the audience that when the idea of financially supporting or financially helping these people, I hope that lingers through because I hope they see that, that, um, we are important, right? Because when right. you don't have well, art, yes. you stuck, right? Yes to all you said. Yes to all you said. Um, it is that, you know, one of the things where you wound up was, you're, I think you're beginning to talk about value, about worth, mm-hmm. which I found really interesting. You and your man on your last podcast were actually, where you were talking about um, signatures on artwork and mm-hmm. I, I found that really interesting because what you were talking about is the person who signs is bringing like obama is bringing his value mm-hmm. to 
maybe a piece of work that you did and placing his value on. I thought that was an interesting philosophical um, discussion, but at the heart of that is value. You're right. People think when you're an artist, people think you're either superfluous, you know, like you're just an extra that, you know, a lot of people think we're, you know, the tick on society's back. Yeah. That we're not adding any, um, value you know that anything like you said i showed up that support and they don't think like you know i trained for this exactly you know i produce materials for this even if you know like from posters to short films to sets props costumes there's material cost to things you know i i uh teaching is a large part of my practice you know um there are things that you can't put you can't quantify or qualify but are invaluable getting communities that don't usually get a chance to work to, to tell their stories giving them a platform where they can tell their stories or or they could come together and learn stories about themselves the things like i said it's all about the human connection the things that make society right for the basic you know waking up in the morning surviving the cold having shelter having food no you could you could do that you could do that but that's what a caveman does exactly right that's what most animals do we're supposed to be you know we're, we're dreaming of going to the stars mm-hmm. we're dreaming of you know putting our children in the in situations that we can't even dream of right now that requires art like one of the things that um you got me started on this one, my rest. Let's go. <laughs> but one of the things that always upsets me, one of the things that always pisses me off, and this is um, a, a large society issue, but especially a black community issue. Um, we have all these panels where we gather the criminal justice system and the educational system and the, the economic system and all these different representatives that uh, from all these different systems about, you know, addressing... Um, the needs of the black community mm-hmm. or the native community or whatever community. And most of the time, 9.9 times out of 10, we don't have artists present. Yeah. Where art is a storyteller. A lot of what we know about ourselves, it's, it's spoken in our art. Yeah. Absolutely. And unfortunately, a lot of what other people think about us, it's spoken in our art. Oh, excuse me, not our art. A lot of times it's their art or it's our art that's been compromised or accommodated or, you know, like, you know, their children growing up somewhere. Well, let me take that back. They're adults. They're people living in parts of this country who have never met a black people. Wow. That's crazy to say because yeah. we're in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. We take black people for, for granted. But their real exposure to black people is usually what's on their television screen. Mm-hmm. Or maybe something they've read in a book or maybe what they see in the movies or whatever. And it's really interesting to me because we know that we know the value and power of that instinctively. Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you're an actor or a director or a storyteller and you come out and you make something crazy, just crazy cool, you know, like <laughs> y'all, y'all boss, people want to shut you down. Yeah. But they don't understand the way you get Oh, let me say, I don't want to say people don't understand. I don't think we're honoring enough the way you get stories, real stories about yourself and about your people, about your community is you support the storytellers from the beginning. Absolutely. Not just when they become famous. From the be- And that, that doesn't mean you just do it out of sense of duty. You do things that speak to you. 
Yeah, and that's and that was the thing I was gonna say. That was the that was a conversation that I had with Juan the last episode where where we were talking about the signature. It wasn't in a sense of trying to get signatures from famous people. It was finding people because there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily famous that I want to get their signatures on stuff because mm-hmm. I want to be able to see um, see the potential. And I think what ends up happening with a lot of people is we're more interested in the end result as opposed to nurturing somebody to get there. Right. right? And the fame. Exactly. And the fame and the acclimate. And there's, that is what it is. You know, there's nothing wrong with people liking people or famous or whatever, but that cannot be the only earmark for success. Exactly. You know, just like 10 million people know you. Yeah. But are they any good? Yeah. And what are they doing with the research? I feel like as an artist, you can, you, you have, everyone has the right, not just as an artist, as a human being, everyone has the right to say whatever the hell they want to say, but you also have the responsibility of holding up, owning up to what you said. Exactly. And, and the interesting thing, too, is that I remember someone would ask me, why is it that it seems like artists can't, um, they have to leave their homes in order to be respected, right? And, and, right. and that's such, it's such a Columbia or South Carolina conversation with black artists where the idea is always like, well, you know, someone has to go to Atlanta. They have to move to New York. And it's, right. and it's mm-hmm. interesting. Someone said this to me, and I thought this was really interesting, is that it's the nurturing idea where it's basically like, let's say, if 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 um someone makes a name for themselves and they get famous or something like that the the way that the people you grew up with they're looking at it from the perspective of oh man he got a grammy i remember when that nigga when he had braces exactly <laughs> oh you talking about dubhead exactly That's right what you're talking about? Yeah. Ain't that, man. That's just dubhead. exactly you know? and, and so what happens is when you move somewhere else the the people that see you in that new city they see you as that finished product, right? They don't see as whoever you, you, whoever you are at that moment, exactly. Or whoever you you can, or at least the potential to be. So to that point, I love like I chose to stay in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I've always thought Columbia has everything it needs to be a great little city, which I think is the thing to strive for. I don't think we need to be trying to be a big city. I think we could be a great little city. Agreed. But to your point. That familiarity, you know, it can breed contempt or it can, but also I have to admit, I've had a lot of people support me. I'm, Columbia, there's a lot of people in Columbia who show me a lot of love. I mean, I'm still here. Yeah. You know, they've shown me a lot of love. So it's kind of, it's kind of double edged. Um, the arts, you know, one of the things is this, there's uh, uh, the dearth of arts education, mm-hmm. you know, people learning about what art really is and and being if you can learn things you can see it mm-hmm. you know a lot of art or the value that art brings to your communities and i say communities plural is invisible to a lot of people because they've never actually been taught to see it what even though it's right there in their face and they're touching it and they're, they're dancing through it and they're smelling it even culinary while eating it they still don't recognize it you know every everything you know Okay, think about the the best song in the world for you when you were 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, you're whatever age you are now, but, um, you know, 
that song may still hold a place of nostalgia or may even still be the best song ever. I don't know, but it's definitely changed because you've got X amount of years of learning, of practicing, of winning, of failing, of losing. And those things help you. Now you can see, hear things that were invisible to you before. You never even knew that was there. You never knew how that happened. If it was there, you didn't know how it occurred. And now you know all these things. That's what education does. It makes the invisible visible. Absolutely. You know, and that's one of arts functions, you know. So that's a long way to say. I just think, I think artists are underappreciated. I think in a small southern city like Columbia, there's a lot of love here. But you spoke to it earlier. Uh, institutionally, we're, we're, we're battling uphill like crazy. Yeah, like crazy. Yeah, I, I have a, I have a lot of hope in the city, you know, and and there's things that frustrate the hell out of me about this city. But it was sort of like, have you ever seen the um the movie The Last Black Man in San Francisco? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Michaela is she saved it for me one time. Like you're gonna love this, and it, of course I never watched. It's it. It's an incredible movie. It's an incredible movie, uh-huh. and this doesn't this doesn't take anything away from it. But it was this great quote that the main character had when he was listening to these little yuppie girls who kind of they're like implants in san francisco and they were talking about how crappy it was and he says to them he says are y'all from here and it was like what it was like are y'all from here and they were like no Mm. and he was just like you know you can't hate this city unless you love it you gotta be from here right and and right and when people ask me about um you know about my family or they say like what do you love most about your family it's like i love them because they're mine and that's how i feel about my city it's, right. it's that you know despite everything it's mine and and i think there's value in that and i think there's value fighting for it um right now it's better to call out your family or your city than someone who loves you yeah exactly exactly you know because it because we we're we're dedicated to making it better we're dedicated right. to improving it it's not somebody just walking in from from out of town and just being like oh these country bamas <laughs> you right, know right. what i'm saying it's oh, just God, walking I got away. this i got this and like, bro, you know, first thing, you know, people make a, Columbia is a place you can easily make an, um, a lot of um, quick assumptions about. Mm-hmm. Because Columbia is like most places. There, Whatever you see on the surface is just that. There's a surface. Like, um, I keep referencing back to, but I just discovered your, your podcast, man. Congrats on that, dude. Well, thank you. You know, and, and honestly, I, I did it because, you know, like what I would tell uh, Dre, because Dre and I, we had a podcast. We did a few episodes, and right. and our approach is totally different, right? His approach was like, you know, how many listeners are we gonna have, and and do we got to do this, we got to do that. And I told him, I said, you know what, man? I said, I don't want to think about the amount of listeners yet, um, because that I would be obsessive compulsive about it, and it would be counterproductive. I was just like, I just want to get good. I just, I just want yeah. us, I just want us to talk. Like, I just want to get into the habit of us talking. And, right. and it becomes, especially now, becomes like this therapy for me where I have an outlet to communicate with folks. I have an outlet to talk to friends and have deep conversations. And, and, and my, my theory is just like how you just stumbled across it, that when people come across it, there's a body of work. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. episodes to yeah. go back to. And I think that there's value in that. So Yeah, yeah, there is because that's what I did. I went back. Actually, I thought I'd gone back three, but what I wound up doing was I listened to 
your last one with your man mm-hmm. and the little 19 minute joint where you were airing all your uh, Yo. electoral <laughs> eggs. That's right. Bro, you need a hug. Yeah, exactly. That was a favorite. Somebody, somebody stop by and give Preacher a hug, man. The, the funny somebody thing was, out, when, my, when my homeboy popped up, it was because he heard that podcast and saw me like when, when Jamie Harrison was. Bro, you sounded like you were on the ledge. Oh, I was, I was going. But you know what? I find, I'll be honest with you, if I didn't have that opportunity to just record it and let it out, I, I might have felt worse off and and so mm-hmm. you know a lot of times when you're talking about that healing we have the power to heal ourselves and we and we don't yeah. always have to look outside for it so oh so, bro, yeah. to that point man you know one of the greatest things in the world for me like people think back to fame people think you know like performance is an end to fame mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's excuse me that fame is the end to performance and it can be and for a lot of people it is but performance for me is an answer. It's an opportunity to connect. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to convey the things that are important to me. It's an opportunity to, f- to help find my tribe, to expand my tribe. So, you know, like, yeah, like, like you said, just being able to stand in front of people and embody this character and express these ideas with this voice and people to care. And we could talk about it, dialogue about it afterwards. That's, dude, that's, Mine from heaven, bro. Absolutely. You know, yeah. You know, so I, I dig it. I get it. You know, and I think most, like I said, most artists, most of us, if not all of us, we're trying to, to connect. Mm-hmm. We're trying to connect. Now, what we learn is you got to have money to do that. Or you, you got to have people want you to have fame. You know, if you can have fame, more people, people that don't even know what you're saying, are just stop and listen and go, oh, that's a preacher dude. Let me. What, what's he got to say? Who's I don't know, but he's famous. You know all that good stuff. <laughs> right. Or if you got money, you can amplify. You know, I'm gonna buy a, a a radio station, a TV station. I'm gonna buy a theater and produce myself. All that, you know. That so we learn, or, or just even let me take that back. Even just, can I eat today? Exactly. Can I eat today? So we, you know, money always factors into change thing. But most artists, what we want is to connect. Exactly. To make you think to make you feel, to make you cry, to make you laugh, hopefully to do all that at the same time. You know, you know, like going back to, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from this community. This is where I, I was born here. I've lived most of my life here. I continue to work here. I've, I stay here by choice. So I'm lucky enough that literally I've been working in some artistic capacity here for generations now, you know, and it's really cool when someone who came to something I did 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah, you know, because, and, and it's, oh, yo, man, I saw that, blah, blah, blah. I had a brother hit me up on a, on a, a line on my birthday. And he's like, you know, you wouldn't know me, but you came to my school. When I was in the 10th grade. He named the school. And so I could kind of, I knew I hadn't been to that school in at least 15 years. Hmm. And once he told me his age, I, I kind of remembered. I knew exactly when. Um, he said, but, you know, he told stories and that impacted my life as always. It's you changed my life. Wow. Yeah, exactly. You know, now that's something it's a nice ego stroke. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Everybody likes it when somebody says something nice about them, you know, but the the real payoff is. I gave that dude something, man, something that he valued, he valued enough that. 20 years later, he reaches out to me online mm-hmm. and says, hey, happy birthday, man. 
Yo, that's that's dope. And that's the thing too about the podcast about the the when I was telling Dre, I don't want to pay attention to the amount of people listening to it because you know, like we we all like I'm a musician, right? And we sensitive about our shit. So you put a song out, if it don't have a million hits, your your feelings get hurt. But my but <laughs> but I have to trust the process of it and that eventually you know, even if we don't think we're making a difference or impacting someone, someone is listening. And right. And let me, uh, I guess, venture into this. You know, I love seeing that the the pandemic hasn't stopped you from being creative. And you sent me the trailer um, to your Zoom comedy uh, web series, Right in the Left Lane. Tell us about this. Right. So Right in the Left Lane, um, it's something I was approached um, about a year ago now by a local cat. Um, Kevin Schumacher, who wanted to produce, um, at that time, we didn't really know what we were going to do. He wanted to do a project um, on film. Mm-hmm. And what we wound up initially writing was <laughs> was a, a kind of a sketch comedy show that at Trump's expense. Mm-hmm. But we've, we evolved into um, something, we wanted something that had, that resonated something with more than you know just a bunch of you know kiki keys for the moment we wanted something we thought would um make things better like i said you know that sounds grandiose but i think um one of the artist's greatest charges is to make things better absolutely so we wanted we wanted to use comedy we we played around we 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 um came up with the idea of a candidate running for um some type of office and um because right now um there's so many divides racial political and they kind of line up mm-hmm. so that's how we come in. and even gender initially we wanted the idea of a black female candidate running for office and she would have to tend um with a, a contend with a a white male um counterpart yeah, but just for the format that we came upon, the limitations of budget and all that, that in itself would, was the story. But we had to kind of shorthand it to where we had a black candidate and a white candidate who were best friends from youth that began with football in college. So, um, and they had fallen out because of political differences. So um, we did that. We came up with the characters. The, the black character's name is Darius Lane. Not too close to mine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, and Bubba Lane, so they both shared the same last name, and for a while they called themselves brothers. But the, all the ideas that are encompassed in those two characters, you know, Southern, white, conservative, black, liberal, progressive, Democrat, um, and all the, the two worlds come together, collide, and they have to work together to make Darius win the election. And it's called Right in the Left Lane, even in the title. When, when, is right. it, when is it um, supposed to be coming out? This month, right? Yeah, we're hoping. Okay, so this, I audience who's listening, this is where you can help us out. So we talked about creating in the time of COVID. Mm-hmm. So initially, we we started writing this, and we thought we wanted to release it for the Democratic Convention, which was in June then. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the weekend, and our initial idea was we were going to audition regional talent, being... Um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Uh, the weekend that we had auditions was the beginning of, not the be- beginning, but kind of the official um, notation of the pandemic. Yeah. So everything got locked down. 
And like you said earlier, we thought, okay, this will be a couple of weeks. This will be a month. Yeah, right. This will be a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So we all living in the same movie, so we know what happened. So we couldn't audition people. Um, we had to um, – Kevin came up with the bright idea of uh, we could make it all on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I, for, I initially was like, what? Oh, on Zoom? Like, why, why would I even do that? You know, I'm like, <laughs> no people in it. Like, no, nah, but he figured it out. And actually, it was a good idea. So um, that meant we had to totally scrap almost everything we had and rewrite it. Wow. So like most scripts, this thing has been written, rewritten a bunch of times, but it's been rewritten because of COVID concerns. I don't know how, because even upon the first rewrite, you know, things that you, you think you're, you're paying close attention. Like, can't do that. You got two people in the same scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, nope, they're in the same room. Yeah. Like, oh, yo, can't do that. You know, unless you can somehow reproduce the exact same room in New York and L.A., which, you know, we couldn't do. So, like I said, we have rewrite after rewrite. We consulted writers. We have a, a local writing team was um, uh, Christina Zahn. Kevin Schumacher, Perry Simpson, Luke Clyde, and myself. So we had rewrite after rewrite. We fixed it all, all of that. We got a production team out of New York because they, we needed someone who could handle the auditioning, mm-hmm. the marketing, all that good stuff. So what they did was they um, compiled a cast that was transcontinental. Um, we had uh, actors in L.A. We had actors in New York, New Jersey. Charlotte, Atlanta, Columbia. So we had actors all over the place. The directors out of LA, the production teams out of New York, and we all came together and shot this thing. But now we need support. We haven't released the first um, episode yet because, once again, COVID has kept making things more difficult. Yeah. You know, like um, the reason we're doing this by phone is because the numbers are intensifying again. So every time the numbers would intensify, we would lose basically a resource. Yeah. You know, oh, you can't do that. Why? Because they're not, they're, they've shut down. They're not in operation. Yeah. Like, oh, why? Because, you know, the only place that was actually shooting for a long time was New Zealand. <laughs> wow. Because they had, they, their you know, COVID they numbers are down. Yeah. Precisely. Gone. <laughs> right. And they were like, you know, we don't want any Jeremy Americans. <laughs> not like we had the budget for that anyway. But, um, you know, so we would like every time we would cross a hurdle, there'd be a, a taller one in place. Yeah. You know, just logistically. So we had to figure it all out. And, um, we have, but now that padded our budget. So we need uh, money. We're asking for um, donations to help us edit the show, market the show, so we can get it out. Um, and, to you guys, to the public. And I have you know? I have a website right here. Tell me if this is the right one. It is Seed and Spark. That's S E E D A N D S P A R K dot com. Seed and Spark dot com slash fund slash right in the left lane. Is that the right address? That is correct. All right, and I also there, put that on the on the site too. Please, yeah, please appreciate it, bro. But if you go there, um, that takes you takes you to our fundraising campaign. Um, Please donate, 
please share. And another thing that's important is please follow. You have to follow us from the Seed and Spark site. If we can get 250 followers, Seed and Spark offers all these different perks about um, promotion and fundraising and all these good things. You know, so we're asking that, you know, so we thought a project that we thought would be shot, edited, ready to roll in June, mm-hmm. wind up basically, we're still working on it, uh, not only against the pandemic, but also against the election, which has been kind of weird. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there's two things, you know, you kind of think like where there's an election going on, maybe that'll um, draw some attention to our, our own campaign fundraising campaign that's about a campaign you know but at the same time is maybe the most contentious election in american history um maybe the most emotionally draining (laughs) you know like i don't know if people like want to i don't know if people want to want to talk more about an election that's not real or or want to talk more about our election because it is real (laughs) i mean because it's not real excuse me because it's not real so, you know, we've just been, you know, but we're just grinding, man. We're like any artist, you know. That's one of the things I think people don't understand about artists. Um, you know, this adversity, especially in a small town with limited resources, adversity is that's what you had for breakfast. Exactly. That ain't nothing new, you know. Adversity times 10, that's probably what you're going to get for lunch. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the, what's the J-Line? Um Impossible takes a day. No, no. What's, oh, he, what's he saying? Gosh, impossible takes a week. Um... No, it's difficult takes. Difficult a day. takes impossible a day. Impossible takes, takes, a, week. takes a week. Exactly. Right. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. that. That's ours. That's ours. That's ours. I mean, you know. So we're undaunted, man. We're we're, you know, we've made this thing. We're proud of it. Um, it's good stuff, you know. It's not um, by any, especially once because we know all the all the impossibilities that we overcame. Right. You know, um, you know, and of course we do the same thing. Everybody's like, man, like, yo, when we get like money, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we're gonna be able to. I just talked about money not too long ago, but it is, you know, there's times where like. You can work around that spotlight as much as you want, but sooner or later, you need that spotlight. Yeah, and that's that, that's the reality of it. And I think that um, yeah, I think this idea is 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 really funny when like creativity and and the world is kind of like coming in synergy wise at the same time where it makes sense. So I think right. I think like some of the best art it can come out of the chaos of this administration that's supposed to be leaving right now. And so, dude, um, but it's an opportunity. Can you, I mean. Hold on, I just have to stop you. Can you can you top having a press conference at the Four Seasons landscaping <laughs> company Yo. with the crematorium and oh. the in the dope bookstore across the street? I don't know, bro. No. I don't know. That's that's why I it's like know. that's why it's like to I think years ago, if someone was writing all of this for a TV show it would get thrown out and the writers would be fired, thrown out of the guild because it is the most unbelievable shit that you could possibly imagine. So, Bro, when, when that happened, <laughs> yo, partner of mine called me, he said, what would have happened if you had brought that to your writer's room? And I was like, man, and to your point, they'd have been like, 
All right, man, you always come with this weird shit. Leave that alone. Yeah, leave, that, that leave alone. it alone. And, and the irony, the funny part about it was, is that they're trying to say that whoever booked um, for the press conference was supposed to do the hotel, and they got it wrong. And since they had already booked it, they said, fuck it, we just got to we gotta keep going with it. I, I disagree. I think whoever was in charge of booking that did it on purpose, and they thought it to be the most hilarious thing ever. And so... <laughs> Whoever. So you think there's a mole inside the Trump campaign? Oh, <laughs> there's, we we want to like do a comedy writer who's exactly. sitting around going, "Hey, this should be funny, man." Yo, I, I, it would have to be. It's like, yo, I want to do a speech at the Four Seasons, okay? And like, you know, the fact is, the the hubris of of them, and Giuliani and Trump is like, instead of canceling it, you just keep it. <laughs> you just say, "Well, we paid the deposit." <laughs> it's, not, it's not refundable, and and I want to hear from the people that own that spot when they got that phone call. Or were they like, "Why here?" So, so yeah. You sure you didn't mean the crematorium across the street? <laughs> exactly. Like, this this the most hilarious thing, man. And then I heard, I heard the name of the bookstore. Is actually Fantasy Island. Oh my gosh! Come on, man. Have you heard that? No, I didn't hear that. All I heard is adult bookstore. That'd be hilarious, though. It's it's. But yeah, uh, those of you out there who are listening, who are not from Columbia, there used to be a, a strip, strip club, joint, a well, yep. uh, a popular strip joint <laughs> here in Columbia. So I heard. So I heard. Fantasy... <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've 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 heard reports. People told me. Um, I, I think I know where it was. But, uh... <laughs> So when I heard that, I was like, I was like, no, no. Like I was like, uh, but see, like I'm saying, like, like the Trump administration has, I don't know if you want to call that, raised or lowered the bar for comedy writing, man. Man, you know, you hear stand up saying that all the time, but it's true, man. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 it. You know, you gotta you gotta laugh to keep from crying, man, because it's like I think um. Every every other week, there's something new that happens where it's just like I I can't believe this. So, so yeah, man. So hopefully, and and, and to be honest with you, I feel a little bit better lately. And and the column that I just wrote that I was finishing up, and that's why I was a little delayed calling you, was um, mm. you know, all the column work I've been doing for the paper this past year. Um, on top of Corona happening, you had the death of Kobe Bryant, you had the George Floyd murders, you had the uprising of Black folks by opposing to police brutality, Breonna Taylor, all these things that were going on. And um and I and and so like the column that I wrote just now was kinda like, hey, I know I write about a lot of blackity black things. I know that a lot of it is really, really heavy. But since I feel a little bit better, I mean I I'm not thinking that a Biden presidency is gonna fix everything, but it's just a little bit better in the right direction. I wanted to write something totally nostalgic and I did like a whole column about Zesto's chicken. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, and, and I, oh, that did not go where I thought it was gonna go. I, that did not, I thought you were gonna say like, like my top joints from twenty twelve. No, 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 no. And 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 there's and there's like a sentimental reason behind it because it's like, you know, growing up with my family, you know, mm -hmm. Zestos is the go to spot. And, yeah, yeah. And then I, I and that's I stopped a eating, lot of family. Exactly. A lot of family. And I stopped eating meat for fifteen years. And so uh -huh. I missed out on a lot of that stuff with my family, but I'm eating meat again. And so when the mm -hmm. pandemic hit, I had to go to some place that wasn't far away. And somehow, some way, I started going there 
and then the nostalgia hit. Like it reminded me of hanging yeah. out with my family yeah. when I couldn't hang out with them. So it was just kind of it was just kind of cool to kind of write about something that that wasn't so 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 heavy. So like like the end of the world, the, the yeah. impending doom. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of bad stuff, but but I think seeing the 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 new administration hopefully coming in January. Lord Jesus, I'm so scared about that. But you know, <laughs> I think Trump gonna blow up the White House. But I think you know, seeing Biden elected, seeing Kamala get in there. I just, it gives me a little bit of, 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 I don't know if hope is the word, but just a little bit of like. I, I think, but that's what, back to the, back to my reason of being, that's what right in the left lane is. Exactly. It gives, I mean, we, I, I, we, we're offering hope. It's not, you know, oh, everything's going to be better. No. 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 Never going to say but that. But we get to laugh at some of the just ludicrousy that is us at the moment. But we get to meet these people who, despite their differences, whether it be racial, gender, sexual, whatever, they find a reason to care for each other. They find a re- they care. They love each other. And they they love the broader world. And it's a it's a feel good, man. It's not that is not challenging. There are times, um, if we're doing it right, where hopefully people get a little pissed off at what they're watching, but laugh at the same time. Exactly. It's still a comment. Exactly. It's still a comment. Well, you know, and that mirrors a, a, a lot of relationships. You know, writing this was, you know, it, it, there are five writers in a room, and one of the five were black. Guess which, guess which one that was? <laughs> the person I'm talking to? <laughs> yeah. So there was a lot of back and forth, man. It was really, uh, and some of these people I knew, some of these people I didn't know. Yeah. So there's a lot of back and forth about, mirroring what's exactly going on in the country now a lot of the uh the challenges to us being one people but at the end of the day we were one we now we formed a real bond and it's not that we still don't challenge each other kevin and i were laughing the other day about how much we still argue about stuff yeah you know um and and to be told honest a lot of it comes from a racial perspective but we have but we talk about it we don't just get pissed off and we draw to our corners. We talk about it. We try, you know, we try to learn from each other and learn from it. Sometimes even just talking about the situation makes you probe deeper for yourself. But at the same time, at the end of the day, we got love for each other. Absolutely. You know, we got love for each other. We laugh and we hope to make other people laugh and discover the love they have for each other. You know? Well, I, I can't wait to check it out again. Tell us uh, the website for people to to follow and for the people to donate. All right. If you go to Seed and Spark, of course, it's www.seed, as in the word seed, and spark.com slash fund slash right in the left lane. That's where you can go. Hit us up. Leave if you if you if you. Another thing about um, the times, COVID. You know, money is as as unsure now, maybe as has ever been since even beyond the Great Recession, the Great Depression. So, if you don't have the ends to donate something, that that's cool. Share the love, man. Um, follow us. At that site, like I said, we get perks for following. Please share the website with your friends. Um, tell people the story that we're trying to tell. Um, have a good time, man. When it comes out, 
every, it's going to be available for everyone. We, the platform isn't determined yet, but when it comes out, everybody will be able. To, it's it's on the internet. Everybody will be able to share it, but um, um, share in it. But we we need some help right now to complete the work. Word. We're almost there. We're at the finish line, but we need your help to break that take, man. All right. Well, I'll I'll share this as much as I can and get it to my folks and try to get it into one of these damn papers I write for. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm working yeah, I'm on like, it. What the I'm, hell? On, like, I'm on it. Like, I'm on this it. is local, man. What the what the we're we're, we're, we're local, but we're in, and I want to say this too before I get out of here. Um, um, we had a great cast from across the country, like I said, but we had a a bunch of local cats too. Uh, George Dinsmore, Katie Mixon, Arisha um, Fryson Connor. Um, I know I'm going to forget somebody and I feel bad. Whoever forget, I feel bad for that. Uh, um, um, Amy Beatty. Um, there's a lot of local people in, in this show also. There's going to be um, five episodes of Serial. Um, we're hoping to get the next episode out um, in, in, around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Give people something for those of us who are, whether you're gathering or not, you can, you know, talk about it online or talk about it in person. And then hopefully we'll have the other episodes, you know, churning and burning real quick. And we'll have five episodes. You can see the whole body of work, the whole story. And we can laugh and talk about it, you know, not jump off that ledge. You know what I mean? All right. Well, homie, I ain't going to take up much of your time. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping and supporting and being on the Negro League podcast. Hopefully one of these days in the future when stuff calm down, we can have a drink, get a hug, and do one of these in person. Thank you so very much. And if no one's told it to you, we appreciate and love everything you're doing for this city. We we love what you're doing with Nia Company and with with what you're doing, um, showing greatness in black arts here. We really, really appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much, brother. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it, bro. Same back at you. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, a, like the old man said, back at you. Back at you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. Go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Once again, we're sponsored by Mobile Soul Clothing. Go to MobileSoul.com. Buy some shit. Please buy some shit from MobileSoul.com. <laughs> Please support. Thank you all so much. Negro League Podcast. Peace. 30 minutes out this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to sip all night? Man, I'm, I've been sipping all night, nigga. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was at, uh, I was at Baker's at first, and then I went to... Um, I went to Wico, this a uh, beer garden out here in West Columbia. Oh. All right, get the microphone to your mouth, nigger. Yep, yep, yep. Yo, one two, one two, one two, one two. This is the Negro League podcast. Go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We're sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to MoBetterSoul dot com to get some fly ass shit. Um, I know it's been like six months before I did some podcasts. Now I got like some podcasts back to back to back on this bitch, and we have a returning guest, uh, sports. Extraordinaire, or is it extraordinaire? Extraordinaire. There we go. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to talk. <laughs> LB, what up, homie? What's going on, man? What's going on, man? Hashtag yeah. just saying in the house. Yeah, tell us about the pods that you got, and uh, I know you're a Hurricanes and a, and a Falcons fan. Tell us where we can hear your your sports uh, specialties. No doubt, man. Uh, YouTube uh, hashtag just saying. That's hashtag just saying with no G at the end. If you search on YouTube, hashtag just saying with no G at the end and type in sports, it'll come up automatically. You know, we do our thing. We mainly talk about NFL. Mm-hmm. We talk about mainly all sports, but mainly NFL because that's, you know, that's what's it. Man. All right. Well, I guess we get to the NFL in a second. I guess uh, I ain't seen you in a minute or we ain't do this in a minute. I see you all the time. We be drinking at a, a sports bar here. Uh, mm-hmm. COVID friendly, social distancing. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about the Lakers in the championship? 
You know, I'm a Laker fan, so, you know, I take it. Oh, you Laker fan? Yeah, man. Okay. Man, I've been a Laker fan since I was a little kid, bro. All right, since so the, since the Showtime era. So before before COVID happened, as you think, were you afraid of the the Clippers? You know what? Pre COVID, mm-hmm. honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. But you know, I, I think what happened with the Clippers, you know, the the break, them not in building up a, a rhythm together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you know, that's a whole new team, and new team for Kawhi, new team for Paul George. They didn't build that chemistry. Is Paul George overrated, man? I don't ever want to call him. I'm not gonna say overrated. Overrated might be too strong of a term, but but is he the right person for that team? You think for them to, for them to win the championship? Well, for them to win a championship, they they need a real point guard. All right, I hear. I, I heard Chris Paul name pop up. Yeah, did you hear time, that? I, I did, and lately, earlier today, they were uh, discussing Chris Paul going to possibly Phoenix. Which, why would he do that? Because uh, at this point, if Chris Paul's not... What he did with the Thunder this past season I thought was remarkable. Yeah. I think they went a hell of a lot farther than anybody else expected. If he really wants to try to, like, get a ring, it, it's funny because from what Stephen A. was saying on first take, he was saying that everybody's talking about him going to the Lakers, but Chris Paul is basically like, if he goes to the Lakers, he's just stacking the decks. You know what I mean? It's like it's like KD going to the Warriors. I'm not calling Chris Paul a KD talent, but the Lakers just won, and the motherfuckers got that shit locked down. So him coming out there kind of guarantees it. But you know, the the word on the block was, uh, you know, Kawhi was talking about bringing Chris, Chris Paul and having a point guard because I think with the Clippers got what Patrick Beverly, who yeah, really he's not a true point. No, guard. absolutely not. And and he's a defensive guy, so he's mm-hmm. like you know a liability when it comes to like trying to get other people involved, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So if Chris Paul goes to the Clippers, they do they win? I don't know. I mean, they have a good chance. I mean, they got a good nucleus, depending on if they bring everybody back. Mm-hmm. You got to think they got to build a chemistry, and with that break, with the COVID break, mm-hmm. that that crushed the chemistry. Mm-hmm. And then you know this, you know with this damn resting. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, with the Kawhi resting and all of this stuff, man. You know, they wasn't able to build a chemistry. And you know what? I, I To be honest with you, I hope they don't win shit because <laughs> the way they did my man Doc Rivers. They was just oh, like, they got you know, rid of Doc. Yeah. And, and, you know, Doc was like, okay, bye. Yeah. Goodbye. I, I, you know what? I, I, I was really dis- not disappointed, but I wish he would have just sat for a year. You know, because I, I feel like a lot of times really great people get blamed for shit, even if it's not their fault. It's like, I think of Doc Rivers the same way I think of somebody like Aaron Rodgers, where Aaron Rodgers, you know, he got a Super Bowl, but he only got one Super Bowl, and he hasn't been back. And people try to hold that shit against him. And I feel they do the same thing with Doc. Like, he got a championship with the with the Celtics, and motherfuckers are like, well, he hasn't been to a finals since that Celtics championship. And, and I don't think that's quite fair. You know what I mean? Because, like, when he got to the Clippers at first... The team was a mess. They were still owned by the racist motherfucker. And 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 I think that them not getting to the – I think if they would have got to the Western Conference, Western Conference Finals and even if the Lakers still beat them, I think he would have kept his job. But I think Steve Ballmer was just so embarrassed that they lost uh, to, was it, to, to Denver. I think it just drove him crazy. He just got rid of them. And so, I, I don't know. A, a part of me kind of felt like, honestly <laughs> – I would have rather Doc fallen back and give it a year. I think I might have liked to see him with Houston more than I wanted to see him with Philly because I think Philly is just kind of a mess right now. 
But Philly has some new leadership now, man. They got I, I'm not a fan of them, Daniel. Dan was Dan Mori, mm-hmm. but man, who left? Like uh, who left Houston? Houston? Yeah, yeah, he left Houston, and they Darryl still Murray, got yeah, yeah. So he took the front office head job, the president job, and they still got Elton Brand as the GM. Mm-hmm. And um, but what's gonna have to what's gonna have to happen with Philly? They're gonna have to move one of those pieces, whether it's Ben Simmons. Or uh, Joel Embiid. If you're, if, if you're the GM, who you get rid of? Um, I'm getting rid of uh, Simmons. Really? Even I if, hate that Embiid stays hurt. That's what I was going to say. So em- Embiid has the the, the but you the, can't the history just, you of can't being just hurt. Find right? that. You can't find that. That, yeah. that bottled up in that size. The talent in the size is hard to find. That. So so what do you get for for Simmons? It's like does does he make a straight trade for James Harden with Houston? I don't think that'll happen. I mean, if you can make that now, now preach. If I can make a straight up trade, mm-hmm. I'll do it every day, all day. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. All day. But that would never happen. Houston would never make a straight. You, now James Harden. Let's don't get it twisted. He's the best offensive player in the NBA, mm-hmm. all around. And you mean it to and he's a and he can dish it. You know what I'm saying? He can control the ball, dish it, and you know he loves to score. Mm-hmm. You get that with an Embiid. Oh man, that's 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 music. I, I think yeah, I think they come out of the east for that. Okay, so here's a question: If if Chris Paul went to uh, Milwaukee, do they get out of the east? Milwaukee? Mm-hmm. Mm. They could. What does Giannis need to get over that hump? To get out of Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> it's Milwaukee, man. <laughs> well, fair enough. and go where though? I, I've heard Miami pop up, but go where? Golden State is the top. You know, oh man, if he did that shit, that's yeah. a wrap. Hey, I mean, that's know. a fucking wrap. Hey, you know what I mean? Why oh not? man, why not? And, you know, and I and I'm mad at all the disrespect that Golden State's been getting because it's like I think people forget everybody got hurt, man. What? <laughs> but not only did everybody get hurt, it's just that their names aren't popping up as far as the West is concerned because. Even though KD left, people forget that those motherfuckers was killing it before KD got right. in there. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? Like, like, like Steph was killing it before KD got mm-hmm. there. And so, I feel like if we're looking at favorites to come out of the West, I wouldn't say they get out of the West completely, but I think they would be definitely a a one to three seed. You damn the right, they yeah. would. Absolutely. So, like that disrespect that they have right now, I think it's pretty intense. And and I and I feel like Kawhi built kind of his new uh, found fame on beating a team that was just all injured. Because I would dare say that KD got hurt in that finals. Mm-hmm. And right. I feel like if Clay didn't get hurt, like if yeah. it was if it was just KD that got hurt and Clay was still there, I think Golden State would have still won that shit. I think Golden State would have won, but at the end of the day, they won. Kawhi got his championship, mm-hmm. and Kawhi might not get another championship. You know, but – um. Because now him being with the Clippers in the West, you still got the Lakers and your point to what you're making um, about Golden State. They're going to be rolling back too. Now, going back to what we were saying earlier with Chris Paul mm-hmm. possibly going to Phoenix per se, right? Mm-hmm. Which wouldn't necessarily be a bad look. You got to think. Phoenix has been missing a point guard. They don't have one. I mean. Devin I, Booker, he's he's amazing and he's, gonna be, he's the star of that team. Mm-hmm. But he needs a point guard. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you look at them, I looked at them the last two years, bro. Mm-hmm. And they just haven't had a consistent play at the point guard position. They have DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They got uh, Kelly Oubre out there on the wing. They got some pieces out there, man. They got some talent. I think I think 
if you're if you're the Suns, you want Chris Paul to come, but if you're Chris Paul, I wouldn't go to the Suns because he's up in age, and well, yeah, I and mean, that, and that yeah. team doesn't show any indication that they're gonna go to the finals and win the championship. I mean, if you put a couple more pieces around it, but that's what I'm saying. I don't trust Phoenix being able to do that. I, I think Phoenix is kind of more or less in rebuild mode, and I don't think Chris Paul has that many seasons left in him. So, so I, I, so that's why I think of Milwaukee. I think of the Clippers. I think of the Lakers, even though the, uh, uh, Stephen A. Smith was saying that Chris Paul doesn't want to touch the Lakers because he feels like they're a unit that's already kind of built already. But it's like outside of LeBron, you know, you got uh, 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 old ass Rondo. Yeah, who who's like only there for the playoffs as a well they backup. Were, they were talking about Rondo going to the Clippers. You know, what and I, mean? I think Clippers just need a point guard. They, they uh, need they need one bad. You yeah. know, I would like. I think it's more dangerous if you put Chris Paul with the Clippers. You put Chris I, I agreed. You, you I put agreed. Chris Paul with the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and then you cooking with some cooking with some grease right there. I, I, I agree. And and so I, I see I see it being between the Clippers and the Lakers. Um Stephen A didn't think he wanted to go to the Lakers. And I, I think Stephen A just didn't want to say that Chris Paul doesn't want to play with LeBron because I think Chris Paul being kind of second fiddle to LeBron and they're like close friends. I think that shit will just bother him and he just doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, so do you think Lakers are, are like the favorites for next year too? I don't know. It, it's going to, it's going to depend on, well, you got LeBron, you're going to be a, you know, pretty much a favorite, you know, you're going to be up there, but it's going it, to, we have to see how this, how they plan to go. Cause they just approved, the season to start in December, which is going to be tricky, which is which is insane, man. Because it is, they, man. they just finished. And, and you know, if I'm, if I'm LeBron, if yeah. I'm LeBron or any of those players from, <laughs> sit that from, shit out for from months. you look, yeah, man, I'm sitting out. If I'm LeBron, I'm sitting out for at least a month. I'm yeah. not even worried about playing. You know what I mean? And and plus, my other question is, if it starts in December, is it still going to be in a bubble? I don't know. That's a good question. See, that's because that was that was the biggest thing. Because the bubble, these niggas is like away from their families for like yeah. four months. Yeah, you know so what I mean. So that's I, a I lot mean, of that's shit. A, that's a great question. I, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of that's left to be answered. I think the draft is what on um, next week, mm-hmm. and then the free agency starts after that. And so they're projecting to start in December. I don't know how that's gonna work. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm worried about them trying to start the season back in December. I am. Uh, want to give them credit, the NBA credit for how they handled the playoffs and how they handled. They the did bubble. a damn good job. They did an amazing job, and the games were competitive. They were fun to watch, um, and so I guess it, it, you know, the transition to a league that I don't think is doing it so well. I was really worried about how the NFL was going to handle all this stuff. Yeah. You know, they're not doing a bubble, and like every week you're hearing, uh, yep. people getting sick, right? So. I think the newest thing came out. I think the Steelers, the, they got like a bunch of players on COVID protocol. I don't mm-hmm. know if Ben, uh, ben Roethlisberger is going to play. Um, he probably will. What it is, the, uh, Van, one of the players, Vance McDonald, the tight end. Um, excuse me, this microphone got to move my foot. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Vance McDonald tested positive, top one of the tight ends. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, technically everybody that had close contact, they got to kind of quarantine them. And keep testing them every day for the next five days or whatever up until uh, Sunday. And so, uh, I don't know. It's been a lot, like you say. But it, it, technically, you can't blame the NFL for that because it's technically impossible for the NFL to play in a bubble. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, with a sport like basketball, you, it's more like the AAU league. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Baseball, 
kind of similar in a sense where we can keep everybody. If you look at the way that Major League Baseball did it, they said, well, look, we're just going to play regional games. Uh-huh. You're not traveling far. Mm-hmm. And they played, you know, you talk about a four-game series, not even the playoffs, just regular season. You're not traveling like that. So, you know, you keep testing and keep everybody close, you know, it's, it can work out a little bit better. Football is a little different animal, man. So why, why do you think football can't do the bubble and other leagues can? Well, where in the hell are you going to build the bubble for the NFL? Like, you're talking about multiple fields, you know, stands. Well, I just how, how did baseball do it? Didn't they have multiple? The, no, the way baseball did it, they didn't necessarily do it in the bubble. The teams actually played home games. I got you. Okay, okay but they didn't travel. You got to think when a team is there to play baseball, you there playing four games, okay. four days in a row. Mm-hmm. Then you may travel, and then you playing another three to four games. Uh-huh. The way they did it for the playoffs, they kind of held it in the bubble after the first round because they held it in a specific city. I got you. Yeah. So it's just it's two different. You know, it's different kind of sports. It's a different kind of animal. I mean, I get I get nervous because I feel like well, number one, the NFL I think makes more money than all these leagues, but I also feel like I get nervous that the NFL probably can't finish the season. Because every and, time you turn around, there's some shit popping Right. Up. So what they done, what they have done today, I don't know if you saw this, they, mm. the owners in the league, they went ahead and approved for them to expand the playoffs if they can't really? finish the regular season, right? Okay. So what they've done is that if some you know, tests pop up, they have to cancel regular season games, they're going to expand the playoffs as far as how many teams can play in the playoffs. So I thought that that was pretty interesting. I've been hearing about it, but they went ahead. They approved that today, that if they need to, they will. Could you imagine, like, the Super Bowl, you know, you're supposed to have, like, Patrick Mahomes on another team, and then, like, the top players just get sick, and the Super Bowl is just, oh, like, man. second and third string fucking quarterbacks. <laughs> like, that would be the man, worst, on, dog. Man. That yeah. would be te- – oh, man, that would be the worst, man. But I, I feel like that's in the direction that the NFL is going right it now. It could be, man. You never know. And uh, so, so your squad is what? The, the Falcons? Yep. If you're a GM, what, what would you do? With the Falcons? Yeah. Well, first of all, we don't have a GM right now. But, Lord, if I had that job. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I'm getting a new coach. You okay. know, they got rid of they got rid of Dan Quinn and the general manager. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing against Raheem Morris, but I'm going in a different direction more than likely. I, I mean, and that's been a good question with a lot of um, people that are Falcon fans, or even people that are not Falcon fans looking at the Falcons because people going to say trade Julio, trade Matt, you mm-hmm. know, clean house, this and third. I disagree with a lot of that in the sense where I got my nucleus on offense as far as with I got my starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. We got him tied up for the next three years, 75 mil over three years. Jesus. We yeah. got Julio tied in. We got Cal, a young Calvin Ridley. We got a young um, Hayden Hurst that came in. We got a center, Alex Mack. Now, there's a couple pieces on the offensive line that you might can move. But technically, I'm just revamping that defense, man, because the defense is the problem. You know, we got some pieces on defense, but, you know, it's pretty much a problem. So, you don't you don't think Matty Ice is the problem at all? Nah. Okay. I mean, we we scored over 30-plus points a game. I mean, you look at the stats. <laughs> hey, y'all giving up 40. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, hey, Matt don't play defense, you know what I'm saying? Well, uh, fair enough. I, I, I think that – um. It gets to that point where if you try to get rid of Matt, who's going to take that fucking contract? Because he's getting paid a lot of money. Right. I mean, and the thing about it, who's going to take the contract? Maybe there's a couple teams that would, but why would you get rid of it? It's hard to find a groomed quarterback. Mm. You know what I mean? And you find me the false. You look at Matt's stats. stats numbers, what they say, numbers don't lie. 
This man is lead. This man is top category, top and category in a lot of in a lot of um categories, man. He's top in a lot of categories. So you know, I I question anybody to find me where he's lacking. Find me where he's the issue. Just show me where he's the issue. I watch every Falcon game. I just show me where he's the issue. I mean, we're scoring points. We can't help that the damn defense is giving up more than we score. Well, out of all the games this season, which loss hurt you the most? Shit. <laughs> Hell, I can group them in three. All three of them. Um, well, we we three and six, but the one Dallas, the Dallas one hurt. I mean, goddamn, the onside kick shit. Yeah, that was. You know what I mean? Yeah, that and, was. And it's just like you know, it's sad when you're watching your team, you knowing that you up by twenty and the shit is not enough. You know what I mean? So it's like they give up, they they get that shit up. The next week they give it up to the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks later they give it up to Detroit. And it's like every sh- everything you're giving up is in the fucking fourth quarter. It's like you have a meltdown in the fourth quarter. All right, so your prediction, Super Bowl this year, who wins it? ATL, ho. No. <laughs> no. Hey, quiet is kept. Nah, before we get to that, because on my show today, hashtag just saying on YouTube, check us out. Um, I talked about, I called, it's called, the, the episode is called NFL Wide Open. Mm-hmm. And I broke down each division. And saying why it's too early to call and all the divisions wide open. You look at the NFC South that has the Atlanta Falcons, right? Saints are in the lead. They're three and zero in the division. They just swept Tampa. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that too, right? They just swept Tampa, but Atlanta is one and one in the division. They 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 split with the Panthers. They still have to play Tampa and the Saints twice. And Atlanta's been playing. I mean, they haven't been playing bad all year. It's just they fuck it up in the fourth quarter. They've been playing better over the last couple of weeks. Got you know two wins in a row, whatever. But it's just it, it, you can't close out not just with the Falcons but a lot of other teams' possibilities of winning their division, and then you're talking about the you know it's already an extra wild card this year. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. It's an extra wild card already this year, and then you have uh, them talking about expanding the playoffs due to this COVID. So you never know. All right, so real answer instead of saying that the Falcons <laughs> is gonna win a fucking Super Bowl, give me a real answer. It's too early to tell. I mean, oh, stop it, nigger. Is the Chiefs going to get it? It's possible. It's possible. You know, if you're wrong, we're not going to, like, come and behead you or nothing like that. You can you can make a real, like, you know, a real call. You well, know you what know, I mean? Hey, look, man. That hashtag just saying I'm a real analyst over here. I ain't like them talking heads on the big networks. You know what I'm saying? Every week. And that's another point I made on the show. I get sick and tired of the talking heads on the big networks. Not gonna say the names, but you know who the big networks are. Mm-hmm. And every week they're dick riding somebody new. Yeah. Every week you go back. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tampa was riding high, right? Yep. Tampa loses, and all of a sudden, oh, it's Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Green Bay gets thumped by Tampa, and it's like, oh shit, here comes Tampa again. And then you know now with New Orleans rumping Tampa the way they did, and, and now the, the funniest shit I heard this week. What's up? Buffalo beats Buffalo crushes Seattle, right? Yeah. Two weeks before Seattle was riding high. Yeah. Everybody was like, Mr. Wilson, MVP. Yeah. Seattle gonna win the Super Bowl. Their defense could get better. They get thrashed by Buffalo. Now guess what? You know what they say about Buffalo? What? Buffalo has the best chance out of any out of any AFC team to beat Kansas City. And I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's just it's 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 just each week these talking heads, they pick a team. That they say is this, that, and the third, and I just, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I mean, the reality is, especially that Tampa Bay and New Orleans game. If you would have told me that one of the teams was up 
thirty something to three. I would have somehow assumed it was Tampa Bay, and maybe that's because of all the hype that's been surrounding you know Tom Brady with the squad. So you looking at that game, what the fuck happened? Sometimes teams have your number, man. Sometimes teams have your number. They know your tendencies or whatever, and they just got you figured out. It's just matchups. Yeah. NFL is about matchups. Yeah. NFL is about matchups. Strictly matchups. Yeah. Seattle is going to catch hell with any team that has a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. Their defense is going to catch hell with the any de- team that has a mobile quarterback. defense ain't shit, man. Right. Yeah. Right. They're going to catch hell with any team that has a mobile quarterback. It's all about matchups. Green Bay is going to catch hell with any team that's physical because mm-hmm. they're not a physical team. They're more of a finesse team. Mm-hmm. They catch hell with a physical team. They'll just punch them in the throat. They're going to catch hell with So who's your most balanced team right now? Most balanced for me on what side? NFC, AFC? It doesn't matter. Both. Give me both. Okay, so on the AFC, I got to I gotta still roll with Kansas City. Okay. Um, the Raiders could be a little thorn in their ass. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're in the same division. Um, the Raiders are currently 2-0 and in their division. And, of course, they beat the Chiefs. So the worst they could do is split. With the Chiefs, but I mean, it's I mean, it's still the Chiefs, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes and um, the defense is not they're not a plus or nothing like that, but they're not bad. Panthers had a really good chance to beat them this past week, but I mean, it's still that offense, man. It's 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 fucking loaded. Yeah. On and- the on the NFC side, it's tough to call right now. It really is because, you know. You you know just like I was just saying you look at you look at uh, Green Bay one week and they look unstoppable, but their defense if you got a physical team that can run the ball you can run the ball all day. Yeah. You look at you look at Tampa they have their deficiencies, and um, the Saints I don't believe in the Saints. Well you know personally no, I, don't I like don't. the Saints. I hate the well you know the Saints. Drew Brees can't throw the ball from he here to your bathroom. He can't right throw now. it anywhere, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's why that game kind of surprised me because it's like. I don't, you know, Drew Brees is historically this year not thrown that far down the field. And I'm like, how do you beat somebody, blow them out without there ever being a threat? Yeah, there's never a threat of a long ball. You know, how do you win that shit? Like, it's so... Might be your boy Jameis Winston to the rescue. (laughs) Look, swallowing those W's. You see that shit when he be making them W's with his hand and sucking his fingers? Yeah. Yeah. But you got to still throw Seattle out there. Their defense is pretty bad. Maybe it get a little bit better with... Carlos Dunlap and maybe a healthy Jamal Adams. But, you know, when you got Mr. Wilson on the other side, I don't doubt him. Man. All right. Who's your MVP right now this second? Oh, God. MVP right now? Mm-hmm. Shit, Pat Mahomes. All right. Who's, was, num- who's number two? I mean, their record's still good. So, I, you know, I'm not hating on Mr. Russell Wilson. He's having to do too much. You yeah. know what I mean? They're having to rely on him a little too much. But you still got to throw him up there, man. Yeah, I agree. I, I I agree on the Russell Wilson stuff. I I feel like, you know, the one thing that bothers me about Seattle more than anything, is that, the fact that their defense sucks, and that's supposed to be Pete Carroll's side of the ball. Well, hell, who was a disciple from him? Dan Quinn came to Atlanta <laughs> and he just shit on our yeah. parade all day too. That's that's what that's the I thing know. that that's the thing that bothers me about it. It's, yeah. it's like we've been told all these years. That if anything else, that's what he knows. Like the Legion of Boom, all this type of shit. Same thing with like Bill Belichick, where you know Belichick last season Brady didn't have any offensive weapons, but mm-hmm. Belichick's defense was on point, one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league, because that's Belichick's specialty. When mm-hmm. niggas can't do their specialties, then that's what worried me. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so Seattle's look really really bad. 
Um, I think Kansas City is my favorite, even though the Steelers are undefeated. Oh, that yeah, win against the Steelers. Uh, my, no, that my, win still. My my only question mark with Pittsburgh. I love their defense. Their defense is legit. Mm-hmm. And granted, that was a bit of a trap game this past week, and they pulled it out. Whatever, but and it was tough because that was a third road game in a row, and um, they don't normally do well with that many road games in a row. Mm-hmm. But um, they should bounce back this week against Cincinnati. But you know, of course, they got a COVID issue going on. But my only issue with Pittsburgh is. Can you trust Big Ben in that offense? How so? Not to throw an interception or not to get fucking hurt? Both, really. Well, not to get hurt and, yeah. you know, to throw picks. I mean, yeah. they got a good core, young core wide receivers. Got James Conner. But I don't know. It's just something that doesn't sit well with me to trust their offense against a team that can put up points. I agree. Because no matter the way the NFL works now, no matter how good your defense is, you're not shutting anybody out. Yeah. I mean, I think – Pittsburgh kind of have, you know, the 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 discomfort of us knowing how great they were with Antonio Brown and uh an old buddy, Le'Veon Bell. Because that offense looked amazing. And I think at some point in time, if it doesn't meet those expectations, it's gonna always feel like they're lacking in something. You know what I mean? And and I and I feel like Tomlin is my coach of the year this year. Not only because they're eight and no, but because last season, you know, because he's black. Oh, yeah, that too. But, like, <laughs> but, you know, but Tomlin's never had a losing season. Hey man, Tomlin's a great coach, man. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, what What I'm saying is that, that but the most consistent thing about Pittsburgh has been what? Defense. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, as an Atlanta Falcon fan, I would love to have that. I would love to just have what I defense. know my defense is good. <laughs> I mean, it's just a difference when you, like, you know a team not just going to run up and down the field on you and put up points whenever yeah. they want to. yeah. It's crazy. Well, speaking of a of a black coach, it's uh, Miami's black coach. Oh man, Flores! Yeah, I love him. He decided to bring love him. Tua Yeah, that's how I say his name. Tua Um, did you watch that game or highlights of that game with him? Yeah, I saw the game. I saw the game. He looked good. What were your thoughts on? He looked good, man. You know, and people kind of criticized them, even though they beat the Rams the week before. But bro, your first NFL game is against the Rams. Oh, yeah, Aaron Donald. (laughs) Yeah, Donaldson, Ramsey, all them boys. They're physical. The Mm -hmm. Rams are a physical defense, and that's tough for any quarterback to go against, let alone your first start in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Now, the defense won that game. I mean, Miami's Dolphins defense. Their defense looks great this year. Yeah, Yeah, but, I mean, that's a credit to Florida. I mean, they ain't got no studs on the (laughs) team. Ain't a lot of studs on that team. (laughs) You know, big-name studs and nothing like that, but they got a lot of good players that play hard for their coach, man. They play hard for their coach, play hard for their team, and they're a dangerous team to want to see. But to answer your question, I thought that he answered the bell against Arizona last week. Oh, yeah. He looked good. Him and Kyler Murray, that was a good matchup. That's a great game. And, and Tua says, shit, I beat you in college, I beat your ass in the NFL. <laughs> but I also, I also love that the future of the league is two young black motherfucking quarterbacks. And what leads me to ask, how do you feel uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be as a – NFL starter. Uh, he's talented. Yeah. He's talented. Uh, of course, being at Clemson, there's a lot of weapons to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it's always a question when you go to the next level, you know, especially getting drafted at early, you're not going to have as many weapons as a lot of other great NFL teams, and line might not be that good. But um, I think he's going to be good. I think that maybe Justin Fields could be a little bit better mm. in the league. 
from okay. Ohio State. I don't know, just the eye test, but I mean, he look, man, Trevor Lawrence. You don't see him make too many mistakes. Yeah, fair he enough. Don't. I think he's gonna be a good, gonna be a good quarterback. Who's this comp? Who, who's he gonna look like comparatively mm. in the league? You think? Wow, I don't. You know what? I don't know. I don't know. I never really even thought about it um, as a comp for him, Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. Get back to me on that. Okay. Well, we I don't do, want to just throw a name out there. We do that shit next podcast. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I I'm interested in seeing what happens with him. I'm hearing people talk about Dallas to try to trade up for him. What would you do if you're Dallas and you got your 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 Dak injury and all that shit? Like, do you stick with Dak or do you try to figure out something else right now? <laughs> Man, well, Jerry came out and said that there's no way, and that's a silly question. And you know, they're all about Dak and this and that and third. Well, to be honest with you, if you don't want to pay Dak. <laughs> Yeah. Which you haven't yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now you want him to come back off an injury and you're going to offer him more money than he wanted to settle for originally. Well, that's that, a, I just don't know if that's going to happen. Well, that's the other thing that sucks about uh, his injury because it kind of feels like these motherfuckers are going to use, um, you know, his injury as like, mm-hmm. see, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> we shouldn't have paid him because – that shit looked horrible. It was I saw a freak that shit, injury, man. That dog. Shit that shit dis- looked disgusting. Shit yeah, and I was really, I was really sad for him because I wanted to get his money. Career, career, and you know, it was, it was clean break in dislocation. So they did the surgery. He should bounce back full. But to answer your question, I look at it a couple of different ways mm-hmm. because if I'm Dallas, I say fuck it. I draft a quarterback. It depends on what they record end up. Okay. Well, apparently, I guess as of now, they're not as bad as the Jets. Right. I mean, but they still can end up with the second pick, per se. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'll take a young Justin Fields. I mean, what if what if Dallas is basically like, if you're the Jets and Dallas is like, we'll give you Dak and a first rounder. Will you, will you give your first round pick, your first pick up for, for Trevor Lawrence? Hold on, hold on. If the Jet, if you're saying Dallas says, what if now? Dallas goes to the Jets and say and tries to trade Dak, well, they can't trade him. He's a, he's a uh, he he he's under the tag. They can't trade him under the tag. You can nah. figure out a, you can figure out a way to do that, can't you? No, nah, because I mean, right now he's he's under the tag this year, right? Mm-hmm. Next year they either got to give him the money or even talk. Well, I'm saying you could tell him like in in perpetuity, like all right, man. You know, when this season's up, you can take Dak, and we'll give you a first round pick, even if the tag wasn't there. Is Dak? Okay, you just speaking hypothetically. So technically, that won't happen. But hypothetically, would you take Dak in a first round if you're the Jets to give up Trevor Lawrence? Well, no, because it's no certainty that the Jets would take Trevor Lawrence first because they got Sam Darnold. You think they should stick with Sam Darnold? I would. Personally, oh, but Sam Darnold, his only problem has been injury. His only problem has been he's been on a fucking Jets. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's like, but what I'm saying, <laughs> right? But but Sam Darnold could sling that bitch now. But it, when he's healthy, he slings it. Motherfucker stay hurt. You know yeah. he plays for the Jets, as you say. And if you look at it, the Jets got they got a couple of young pieces on. The offense side. The problem is the head coach Adam Gase has oh, to go. Man, you ever see that video when he got the job? Mm-mm. You never seen that shit? Which what? Um, Yo, when they gave him the job, the press conference, he looked high as fuck. Oh really? I 
I had to show that shit to you. It is the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like his eyes are bouncing all over the place. He looks like he's tripping the <laughs> fuck off. It is a crazy. It's the, like how he coaches. I, yeah, exactly. Like it is the craziest video I've ever seen. Like I, I'll show you when we get off the shit. It mm-hmm. is the craziest shit I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, and when we talk about white privilege, there's no way a black coach can be at that press conference. When I show you that shit, you're going to be like, there's no way a black coach should be at a press conference mm-hmm. getting a brand new job looking like that. That nigga looked ridiculous. It is the craziest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so, you know, like with the Jets, personally, I don't know if they go after Trevor Lawrence and put a number one pick. Maybe they do because mm-hmm. um, they do have Sam Darnold, but then you talk about you bringing a new regime in because they got to let G- Gase has to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. If, I mean, if you're yeah. a Jets fan, that's not negotiable. If you're a Jets fan, that shit is not negotiable. I mean, I know a lot of Jets fans that said, fuck it. They will leave. They will not be a fan anymore. Adam Gase is that bad. He's horrible, man. He wasn't <laughs> shit in the do- with the Dolphins. So, I mean, talk about privilege. How the fuck he get that job? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. He was shit with the Dolphins. You get this job? Really? Okay. So, what they doing now? Man. So, yeah. So, top five quarterbacks, who you got? Top five current? Mm-hmm. Um, any order? Mm-hmm. Any order? Okay, that's great. Um, Pat Mahomie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you still got to throw. Oh, Mr. Russell Wilson. Russell, sure. Yeah, Mr. Russell Wilson. Um, even though I'm not a huge fan, but you got to throw Mr. AR12 Aaron Rodgers in there. Why you not a fan of Aaron Rodgers? I don't know, man. He just has that. I don't give. He checks out sometimes. He is a, I don't give a fuck attitude. Like when it ain't going, when shit's going great, oh mm-hmm. he's honky dory. Mm-hmm. But when this shit hit the fan, he just checks out. He's like fuck it, <laughs> you know what I mean. But he's still top five, and you know you could talk shit about me. I'm throwing my man Matty Ice in that motherfucker. Nigga, look right. at stats don't lie, numbers don't lie. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Listen, man, I men can't, lie, women lie, numbers don't. I, I don't give a damn. I can't trust Matty Ice numbers because I look at them the same way as I look at Dak numbers. A lot of Dak's numbers came after the game was already over. So if you got garbage time numbers, which a lot of Matt Ryan's numbers never been garbage time. Nigger, I'm trying to dog. When the fuck have we trailed? <laughs> have you saw yourself this season? When have we trailed? I don't know. I gotta go back. I don't be watching Falcons. All the games we lost, we gave up in the fourth quarter. We was already up. We already put up thirty something plus points. Yeah. Dude, we have one of the top scoring offenses in all the NFL. So, you know, people can miss me with that. But anyway, uh, so, you know, I got, I, I said Pat Mahomie, Russell Wilson. You know, you got to throw AR-12 up there. Um, you know, Brady's good, but he's old. Drew, I never liked him, but he's good. He's old. Um, hmm. To round out my top five, even though I'm going to put a... I'm gonna put a little asterisk by my boy Matt Ryan because you don't want to show him no love. Give him six. I mean, you know, you listen. I'm an Eagles no fan. Love. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw Carson Wentz in a in a in a conversation. You know what I mean? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a kid who's gonna be great. Who? It's gonna be nice. Who? Justin Herbert. For the I, I yo. Yeah, I think that kid's gonna be. I, so listen, special. and I support black cultures. Justin, Justin Herbert. I, I support black cultures, but I think they about to lose him because I hope not, man. He, I, I hope not, but he Justin Herbert total of eight points. This but year. but what I'm saying is, there's like four or five games this season. They're worse than the Falcons. Yeah, they have like a, a double digit lead and they lose that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. so I hate Feel to see pain. I hate to see this coach get out of there, but I think I think he's gonna be gone. 
I don't. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I I hope not because that team, it's it's you got to blame somebody, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Got to you got to blame somebody. But I mean, um, look, dude, I have a hard time not putting Matt Ryan in my top five, man. All right, okay. Well, give me t- give me top six. Give me one more. I I gotta give you two more because I only gave you three. All right, give me two more. Him, so I give you two more. Right now, hmm. Deshaun, I like Deshaun Watson. He's just on a bad team. I I, I hate his team and I hate what this coach did to him. I'm yeah, glad they got rid of him. But up. that coach fucked the team up. For years, because Miami get their picks like like they got nothing to show for any of this shit. They got rid of Hopkins, nothing. dog. The that Dolphins, shit. The Dolphins got their first round pick, dog. Like, That's why the Dolphins put Tua in because they're like, if Tua can't can't rock it, we can try to get something. I don't. In next I don't drive. think that they put. They, now it's been a lot of debate about that. And the coach came out and said, no, that's not the reason why we put them in. They're in the win mode now. You know, they're in the win now mode. Yeah, I tell and, you. And you have to think, they've been watching them in practice. And granted, Fitzpatrick, he good at times, but we've seen him fuck up now. But yeah, but like, we've we seen that fizzle, right? There's nothing new that Fitzpatrick is going to show us. I get it, but man, when you feel good about your top draft pick and yeah. you finally see he's healthy, go yeah. ahead and put him in. Yeah, Fitzpatrick. Especially when you're 5-3, and three, you want to win I think now. Fitzpatrick should shut the fuck up. He's like, I feel bad because we're winning and they took me out. Like, nigga. Yo, be happy, be the glorified like backup to groom this guy. <laughs> Everybody will love you. You got your beard. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like. Honestly, I think that helps his legacy more than anything else because every other season, it's him having moments where he do well and he just fucks it up. You know what I'm saying? So if he falls back and let Tua do his thing and help Tua get to the point where he needs to go, that only helps Fitzpatrick. And I feel like a lot of those players that are like okay players. But very cerebral. There's a coaching future for him. Like that's always my theory. Like that's my Doc Rivers theory. I think Doc Rivers is my like one of my favorite coaches because I don't think that he was one of the greatest players. And I think that if you're a player that's not a superstar, who was not who who he's Doc. I say Doc Rivers, Steve Kerr. Because you pull out coaches that were okay, or uh, Phil Jackson. You pull out players that aren't superstars. Right, they were good players. They yeah, just superstars. Because because if you're an okay player, at some point in time, if you're around amazing players that, that you can't um, no, compete right. with their shit, you got to figure out a way to be creative to compete with them. Mm-hmm. That's why Magic was a terrible coach. Of course. That's why Jordan's a terrible GM or owner. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like uh, These niggas that were amazing players. They're delusional. Yo, because, because <laughs> all Jordan could say is, if you're down by five with two minutes to go, he's just give me the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, Jordan can't coach that. He doesn't know how to articulate that. So, somebody like Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. who's an okay player, went to Harvard, very smart dude, get, Keep your main, maintain your relationships, get a fucking job after you retire. Yeah, I'm sure that, that's what I think he should do. I'm sure he will. Um, but I would say my other quarterback, I'm trying to hold on to my last one. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, man. I gotta just go ahead and throw Tom Brady up there, even though he's old. <laughs> I mean, because I don't want to put the reason why I'm off of Lamar Jackson right now as a top six. Mm-hmm. He's got to show me a better arm. He's got to be a little bit more consistent. He's not consistent at all with that arm. Well, yeah, I, I you know, his team is still Jackson, doing good. I, I love his talent, but he's got to be a little bit more consistent. And I feel like that that's on the coaching staff. I think I think that if they're trying to make him be a pocket passer, I think. I think I mean, that's hard bar trying to make the do thing it. about it. It's not about making him a pocket passer. Mm. It's just he's got to be more accurate. Agreed. Agreed. God agreed. damn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. He's, he's got to be more accurate. All right. If I got my five, I think Mahomes is number one. 
period, mm-hmm. end of discussion. I think Russell Wilson this season looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I from, from the games that I watched, I don't. I'm not thinking about record per se. I think I've been really impressed with uh, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray. Have been really impressed with. I'm impressed with Kyler Murray. I, I don't want to put him on top six at this moment. I mean, he, I think he could end up there. He's, I, that, I, I think he, he might win play. this. He has the potential to win this division just like anybody else. Yeah, I said that on my show today too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you should you should check it out. This guy, what is, what is it again? Just <laughs> saying, without just the G. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think this season, it's like certain certain people, like you, you got Brady. It's like the Drew Brees beating Brady twice. I just can't trust it, right? Because I don't see in the long run it being successful, even if you feel like you can throw him in there. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm telling you, regardless of what I'm watching, if if Patrick Mahomes is playing, I'm watching that shit. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? And Must so, see TV. Absolutely. And Russell is Mr. Been, Wilson. Yeah, he's had an MVP year, regardless of all those games that he lost. I don't think those are necessarily his fault. Even that Buffalo game, I think they had a chance to win it. So yes, there was that. That, that was now that was. He turned the ball over too many times. Yeah, he, what, three. But he's trying to do too. Yeah. Trying to do too much. That's what I'm saying. It's it's like even Patrick Mahomes, who I trust the most with the football, Kansas City is trying to cut down his passing attempts throughout the game, and they're trying to give him a running a running game. <laughs> so so the two Not things last week against the Panthers. <laughs> look, <laughs> but look, but the two things I was saying about Seattle, right? They're known for defense. The defense sucks. And what did they do with that Super Bowl that they lost? Is that they were trying to give? Well, they didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, but they were known as a running team. Yeah, they went on as a running yeah. team. Yeah, but they had, but they're not known for either one of those things right now. Well, and right so, now they're running backs. They're down to the third string running back. Jesus Christ, man! And um, defensively, kind of is what it is. And see, you got to remember when they were good, mm-hmm. they didn't have salary cap issues because you know why? Why? They didn't have to pay Russell. Oh, yo, Wilson. Russell had that rookie, the rookie contract or whatever yeah, it was. Absolutely. Yeah, he so you can afford to pay your defense. You can, you can pay the Legion yeah, of Boom. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's it. So, so, so that goes to my thing about when you're able to have a young quarterback mm-hmm. that you're not having to pay a lot of money to. Mm-hmm. That goes back to why I had a discussion with a Cowboy fan, oh, similar to what we were just talking about, mm-hmm. Dak Prescott. So I, I'm, I'm kind of just like, if you get a, a rookie quarterback that you really think they can step right in, mm-hmm. you're able to pay some of the other pieces because let's face it, Dallas, they don't spend a lot of money in mm-hmm. some of the wrong areas. Mm-hmm. And you're able to spend in some other areas mm-hmm. versus having to spend on quarterback. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. But the thing I don't agree with, with Dallas is that, because uh, I think it's, I think Dak fits their mold, mm-hmm. but how do you pay Amari Cooper and you yeah. don't pay Dak Prescott? Yeah. That baffles me. Yeah, I'm. I mean, Amari Cooper. I, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, wow. Yeah, I'm an Eagles fan. I would kill to have Amari Cooper right now because we have like no skill. Y'all right are now. getting healthy again. I mean, we're gonna win. You don't the like we, listen, man. We gonna Fulgram's, I, Fulgram's dope. What? Listen, like he's not, balling. I like, but I don't love anybody that's on that squad right little now. Bad, little bad, bad leg, bad wielded. Alshon coming back soon. Eh? Oh lord, yo USC, <laughs> yo University of South Carolina represent. Um, yeah, I think we talked enough. We talked about forty five minutes. Like, I think that's good enough to get off of here. Uh, tell everybody where we can uh, stalk your podcast, check you out, and and we had a podcast. We ain't talk no politics. We ain't talk no Joe Biden shit. We ain't talk no Trump shit. I'm excited about that. You get all sports. Things are getting kind of normal again. Where can we find your shit, nigga? 
Hashtag just saying, no G at the end. That's hashtag J-U-S-T-S-A-Y-I-N space sports. Type that in on YouTube. You'll find me. Hit the subscribe button. Also, check me out on Mondays and Fridays on Talk. That's U as just a letter. Talk, T-A-L-K. If you're a Canes fan. If you're a Miami Hurricanes fan, <laughs> you'll love the show. That's Talk. Yeah, what's that record? What's the Canes record now? Uh, six and one. Six and one. Who do y'all lose to? Clemson. Oh, okay, Clemson. I just lost a uh, what you call yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, players fuck up too. I mean, granted. All right, well, shit. Um, I think that's enough of this sports talkity talk shit. It ain't no crazy uh, politics shit. This is the Negro League podcast. Thank y'all for listening. We got some more shit coming soon. Uh, check out mobetasoul.com. M O B E T T A soul.com to get some new gear. Nigga need to pay the rent. Let's go. Talk to y'all later. Peace.